Hello and welcome to episode 18 of the True Man podcast, the podcast designed to create a generation of self-defined men. Today, I'm joined by Darren Brooks. Thank you so much for joining me today. How are you doing? I'm really good, Lewis. How are you doing, mate? You okay? Good, good. Yes, I'm amazing. Thank you. So, as always, I'm going to kick things off with my favourite question. Darren, in your own words, what makes you a man? What makes me a man? Um, being a good dad, being there for my friends, being loyal, um, being reliable, being hardworking, having purpose, all of the above, I'd say. Amazing. And uh, thank thank you so much for being the first person that has answered that uh really quickly um most of the time you get a huge pause and then a like a oh and then a, a real struggle on what unexpected yeah did, not expecting it but also trying to say the right words trying to say something that sort of fits in with what they feel is is the right thing to say so it was it was it's refreshing to hear a a, a straight answer so let's delve a little bit deeper into that you touched on some some interesting points there so let's get an understanding of who of who Darren is and, and how you've managed to have such a succinct answer to that question. Okay. Yeah, so my name is Darren J. Brooks. I'm an author, speaker and founder of Seat at the Table. My books, Louis, bridge the gap between social commentary and personal development. So they talk about some of the issues that are going on in the world and they offer most of the time what I feel is a personal development solution. Um Seat at the Table is a network for men that I started. It's for men that want to win. It's not a mental health group, which I think, you know, a lot of the men's groups are mental health groups. And with it not being a mental health group, I've taken a bit of flack for it. Um, people don't mind a lot of men getting together, talking about the problems. But when they're talking about being a good dad, being better, getting better, competition, people, some people, not all, don't seem to like that. Um, I've worked with dads, I've worked with single dads, I've run groups with them, I've worked with men from the criminal justice system, worked with men and women in recovery from substance misuse, and, um, you know, spoken on the topic, topic of masculinity for, for quite a while. I've just filmed a short um, Master in Masculinity with uh, Iconic Media, which is in nine parts, the second part, that's all, all available on there, predominantly on their platform. Um, which is subscription-based, so you know that was exciting. Um, and yeah, you know, I'm, I, I'm as a man, I'm learning, always learning how to be a better man, and I think that's essential. Uh, learning how to be a better dad, I'm learning how to be a better partner. I haven't always been a good partner. I feel that I've always been a good dad, uh, and you know, in some cases, I haven't always been a good man, but constantly striving to, towards that. Amazing. So let's talk a little bit about that. So where was that change? What what made that change for you? Because you said you touched on there that you've not always been a good man. And, and I, I think for myself, it's been a bit of a journey as well with this sort of rediscovering of masculinity. And I guess almost for myself, it's almost redefining it a little bit as well um, from what I've experienced and, and what I sort of gone through myself. But it'd be great to get an understanding of what your turning point was and what made you go, actually, this is this is wrong or this is something that I want to explore more of. Um, I don't think there was one, Lewis. You know, um, I think we inherently know when we're doing the right things and, and when we're doing the wrong things. We know if we're drinking too much. We know if we're not exercising and we should be exercising. We know if we're not spending enough time with the children and whether we are. We, we, we know these things. It's whether we are 
um, doing anything about them. That that's the thing. It's whether I, I love. I can't remember who said it, but we're either we're either moving towards success or failure. Every second of every day has that decision that I've just made there taken me closer to where I want to be, or has it taken me further away? And in my twenties and things, a lot of the decisions I was making was taking me a lot further away than where I wanted to be. I worked in the catering trade, which was a bit more of a lifestyle than, than a job. I was drinking too much, was using drugs at certain points. Um, I went traveling to escape Stoke-on-Trent at the time, which I thought, oh, you know, I don't want to live. And it was nothing to do with Stoke-on-Trent. I was, you know, I was trying to escape myself. Came back. I absolutely love living in Stoke-on-Trent now. Um, so, you know, that, that escape was kind of trying to escape from myself or find myself, whatever it was. But I think um, there was no turning points, all these little points. I got into a career where I worked in a rehabilitation unit, quickly worked my way up to manager, and you were helping people every day there to become a better version of themselves, which obviously brought me a lot of fulfillment. And just over the years, just got just incrementally got better and better, felt better, um, because I knew that I was doing the right things. And in the past, when I wasn't, I still knew that I wasn't. I was still aware that the things I, I was was doing weren't good for me health or, you know, they maybe weren't good for me relationships. But, I, you know, I was doing them regardless. And it's being a lot more mindful of your behaviours and what you're doing and, and looking at them. One of the things that they do in the 12-step programme with AA and NA, and, you know, I'm not in recovery myself, but I've got a lot of friends who are. And obviously from working in the rehabilitation unit, the, the steps was a part of that. But what the steps do is they look at your life and you take an inventory all the time of where you are, um, who you've pissed off, you know, who who you've done bad things to, who you've done good things to, where your positive relationships are, where your negative relationships are. And if we could do that as a man all the time, then, you know, a lot of us would be in a lot of better place than we are. Yeah, I think I think you're right. The interesting thing is that self-reflection right that's the scariest thing to do uh, but it's definitely the most important thing to do that that i for me i i remember it clear as day because i was sat in my pants on the sofa uh, and the tv wasn't even on and i could see my reflection in the tv and i was like what are you doing and uh yeah sort of went from there so i had a bit more of a actual visual representation of the of the turning point but it's that that self-reflection and that sort of where am i now what's going wrong like you said that quote failure or success uh, i've yeah. described it before in the past with a friend of like we're all falling we're all falling down a cliff and it's how quickly can we get that uh, hammer axe or hook into the into the wall to start that sort of crawl back up right i like that yeah it's a good analogy um, so it's 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 an interesting thing, but it, it all starts with that just sudden like click of shit. Um, I need to have a look at what I'm doing, and there's some ha unhappy people around me, and potentially I'm the cause, or there's some good relationships, and I need to look at those as well. So the books, author. So after sort of this little mini journey, I guess, what what made you decide to write your first book? Well, you know, it is one of the things that could have could have stemmed from the past that I went down. Um, I always wanted to write a book. It was um, as as a kid, 
I'd be walking down the street reading Roald Dahl, you know, um, kids get in trouble now for being on the phones, but it was the same then and it was something different. I, I was wandering down the street, me, my dad had given me a clip round the head because in Tesco I just nearly walked into somebody's trolley and I was walking down the, book read, um, down the road reading these books and um, I always wanted to be an author and then at school, I think I was 11, I can't recall the exact age, I have wrote about this sort of extensively in my first book. Um, a teacher asked all the class, what do you want to be when you're older? And I said, I want to be an author. She was a lovely, kind, caring teacher. I always point that out because a lot of people think that these people who stop you from chasing after your dreams are, are these haters or people that don't like you, where a lot of the time they're the people that love us, the people that care about us, and the people that want what's best for us. And she said, you need to do something a little bit more realistic. That's more of a hobby. And it shattered that dream for many years. Um, we were in lockdown. I'd, I set my goals at the beginning of every year. Well, the end of the year, I set my goals for the following year. And I'd set the goal that year, I'm going to write this book that I've always wanted to write. Obviously, it hadn't always been about personal development. Um, at the time, it was fiction when I was younger. But as I've grown, you know, the, the, the themes and the things that I wanted to cover grew. So um, I didn't want the world to get locked down to write the book, but it cleared all that space. And I started writing it. I wrote it quite quickly. And then, you know, one of the things, Lewis, that people think, they, they think that you need this burst of inspiration to come, whether you're a musician, whether you're a poet, whether you're an author, whether it's a business, they're, they're waiting for this this burst of inspiration to come. My favourite quote is by Rumi that as you step out on the way, the way appears. And when you're writing, that was when the inspiration started coming tenfold. But because I wasn't writing, I just had it in my head that I wanted to be a writer. There was no inspiration coming. So as I wrote the first one, the inspiration then came for the second one. Second one, the inspiration came for the third one, which is nearly finished now. And it, it comes from there. You know, my one of the things my tattooist said, he always wanted to be... Um, he had this vision of this painter in Brooklyn painting big mural on the wall with the ghetto blaster going. And uh, he says he sees himself doing that one day. And I said, well, what are you painting now? He said, I'm not. I'm waiting for the inspiration. And I told him that story. And I think he was a little bit pissed off at the time. Um, but it's true. You know, that that inspiration will come as you are doing. It's like the universe is saying you're doing something. So let's give you a bit more of that where when you're doing nothing, no inspiration comes at all. No, and I think a lot of people wait for the perfect conditions as well, right? That's the other excuse. Definitely. Inspiration and the, and the perfect conditions, which never come. They never come. Never. Um, yeah. Never. So personal development, What what is your main sort of vision around it? Because everyone has a different take on it. Everyone sort of has their own ideas of what personal development looks like. So. Right. Without giving too much away in the books, but I guess sort of what is your sort of vision of personal development? I think, you know, Lewis, I think it's getting better for you. Um, that You can look tomorrow and think I'm a little bit better than I was yesterday. And that's not that's not always going to be the case. You know, I'm just coming off the back end of, I don't know, a virus or, or whatever it was. I was sweating and wasn't feeling 100%. But, you know, I've got the bare minimum of things done that I needed to do. I'm, I'm doing a 75-odd program at the moment, which is really interesting for your viewers if they want to look at quite an intense personal development program that's completely free. Andy Fasala created it. 
I won't, you know, I won't go into it. They can find out about it if they want to. But that involves completing so many specific tasks each day, every day for 75 days. And um, you're getting better. You're feeling yourself getting better. Even though I wasn't very well, I still completed the bare minimum of things I needed to do on that program. And everybody's at a different point in their lives. Everybody's got different things going on. But if you were working towards just being a bit a better version of yourself, if you feel like you're not spending enough time with your children and then you start spending more time with your children, that's personal development. It's development within your relationship. If you realize that you're not treating your partner as much as you maybe should and you start doing, you get, you're getting better. If you can, you, you know, you, I saw that you, you don't like running and neither do I. Uh, but if you, if you run, can run a mile and then a little bit later on in the year, you can run two miles or you, you can walk, you walk four miles and then you can walk 10. You're getting better and you're going to get that sense of accomplishment. And a lot of people are, are in a rut because I feel that they're not working towards bettering the self. Um, and I understand, you know, that people have been through trauma and, and there's different things. There's a lot of aspects to that. But one of the things that Gary Vee says, if anybody else who's had worse situation than you can do it, then you can too. And, and, and take that as, as motivation. Take that, that somebody else has overcome what you're going through and they're getting better. So, so you can. Don't feel like you haven't got the power to bring bring alive whatever you want within your life because you have. I think the, the, power's, the power's in there. It's not outside of yourself. The Dreams to Goals was focusing on the power within. 23 Rules of Life was talking about the things outside of us that take that power away from us and will stop us moving towards the potential. And there's a lot of them. Um, and I think some people said that Dreams to that 23 Rules of Life was a little bit more negative. And it wasn't negative, Lewis. It was shining a light on things that were negative that can take that power away from us. And once you're aware of them, you will manoeuvre accordingly. Yeah. Okay, nice. So i got a question for you sort of off that. When it comes to goal setting, and you sort of said that incremental change, one thing that I found and one thing that I'm seeing with a lot of people is these goals are just so like lofty that they're it's almost like they're never going to achieve them and they've set these crazy goals and then it's like, well, what's the point? I'm never going to achieve it anyway. Right. How do you, do you, do you see that yourself or do you see a way of what you were saying, which is essentially breaking those down and sort of, I guess, realigning your goals and bringing them inwards before shooting for the moon? Because that's, that's where I see a lot of people fail is that it's like, I want to run a marathon, but I've never run in my life. So, and right. I'm like, well, I don't want to do the training plan. So okay. is that something that you've seen or what's your sort of views on that as well? My view on goal setting is is to set those goals big. I think you need a purpose bigger than yourself that will get you out of bed. So, you know, in, in the situation that, that kind of both of us are in, we want to change men's lives. So if you want to change men's lives, then that is a big goal. Um, how how I look at that is if is don't set those goals too close to you. So set a goal that's a big goal, very big goal, maybe for 10 years' time, and then backtrack. Backtrack is a day. So what do I need to do within five years? What do we need to do within two years? What do we need to do in one year? What do we need to do each month? Down to what do we need to do today? What do I need to do today to take me to close closer to there? You know, for you, it might be that I need to film film three podcasts. For me, it might be that I need to, to write three chapters. What Whatever it is, what do I need to do today that is going towards that big goal? And I think 
people give up because the they overestimate what they can do in 12 months, but they underestimate what they can do in five or 10 years. So you, you, you've got to play the long game. You know, yeah. big, big things aren't going to happen soon. Um, and, you know, sadly, some of those same people who give up on those goals will happily work for somebody else for 20 years of their life. Yet they won't work on something of their own for 20 years because something hasn't happened in 12 or 18 months. They say, oh, this isn't working. And it's like you didn't master your job that you were doing in 12 months' time. You worked at it, you worked at it, you got better. You know, I didn't go into the, the O'Connor Centre, into the rehab and get promoted to manager. I, work, I worked my way up. by, um, And when I first started there, one of the managers, an amazing woman, she said to me, um, she could tell that I was a little bit overwhelmed. And she said, listen, you're coming into this job the same as everybody does. She says, this will take six months. If it's not clicking on six, in six months, then maybe it's not for you. And before you know it, you're doing one little thing without thinking about it. Then you're doing two. Then you're doing three. And you go into automatic pilot on these things. And it's the same working on your own dreams and goals. If you're working on those things day in, day out, it's no good. Um, what's that thing that Jim Carrey said? It's no good visualizing what you want and then going sitting on the sofa eating a sandwich. Um, you know, that is not going to take you close to where you want to be. And I think people fail because they give up too soon. Yeah, no, I, I think that's true as well. So it's keep that goal big, keep it, but keep it um, a good distance away as well. Like really make a crazy goal. Yeah. That, Give yourself like, time. Yeah. And then not, it's, these aren't goals then, these become tasks. So you're creating tasks that eventually will lead to the, to the bigger goal. So I, I really want to touch on your, your previous work and I guess that sort of space of, of men. Because that's something that's yeah. really interesting to me as well. Um, I, I use the term blue collar because it's a bit of an Americanism, but it, it seems to tick a few boxes as well. Where goal setting might be a little bit harder for them, and it might be something that's a little bit more out of reach. What, in your view and your sort of expertise, is the starting point to that? How do you get to a point where you can set a goal? Because there's, 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 a, there's a gap before the goal setting right in some cases without a doubt you know i think if you're not on a, a personal development journey then I, I should hazard a guess and i don't know this but most people you speak to probably haven't got any goals um some people are just trying to keep their head above water through, through the day um which which is sad so it's it's introducing yourself to those things slowly for me the way I see that is if you if that isn't coming from somebody in your family or somebody around you, then you need to follow somebody on social media that's that's doing that. There's there's plenty of people with an amazing story, people who've been in prison, people who've been in the depths and despair of addiction, um, people who've come from nothing to, to rise up to to achieve everything they want to. And they've all when you listen to all of the stories, none of them have been easy for one, but they've all been introduced to somebody that has given them new information. So if you are operating how you've always operated with the information you've got and things aren't working for you, then they're probably not going to work by, by now. There's a realisation that maybe the people that I'm listening to aren't giving me the right advice. For, for, for one... You need to listen to the advice from people who are doing what you're doing, people who are leading by example. One of the things, you know, I speak about, you've got 
government officials, people in places of power who recommend things to you that, that they aren't doing themselves. You know, you, you need to stop using your car, you have to fly around on private jets, you need to eat healthy, and, and some of these health officials are, are, are huge. Um, so follow somebody that is walking the walk as well as talking the talk. There's loads of those people just type motivational, personal development into YouTube, and, and you can find countless people. And one of the things that one of my coaches a few years said to me, she said, find one or two people that really resonate with you and follow them. Don't follow 10 or 20 different people because everybody offers different advice. If somebody's speaking a lingo that you understand, um, follow them. I, I like, and I know everybody doesn't, really harsh, in-your-face personal development. I kick up the R stuff. I like David Goggins and I like Andy Fasalo. I like people who tell it like it is, but I can also see that they are doing what they are say, saying they're doing. Andy Fasalo is the guy who, who did the 75-hour program. He regularly is out doing that program himself. I saw that, that resonated with me. I thought, I want a piece of that, so I jumped on that program myself. Um, until I was exposed to that, yes, I was on a personal development journey, but I wasn't working on uh, my physical health as much as, as I would have liked to have done. So I think it's just tapping in, Lewis, to, to, to somebody that when you hear something that resonates with you, it can be one little golden nugget. Latch onto that. L latch onto that. If you hear something that really resonates, latch onto it. And the internet can be an amazing and destructive thing. So if you if you you know if you're searching dogs chasing after balls, then all that's going to come in your algorithm is more dogs chasing after balls. If you're searching personal development, these things are going to regularly come up on your YouTube, they're going to regularly come up in your social media. And they are the things that you're going to be exposed to. And as you know, as the Rumi quote quote, as you step out on the wave, the way appears. And as you start following these people, more and more people um come in come into your into your zone, you start getting exposed to different people. And then that's when you start attracting different friends and different people who also have those things in common and stuff. And and then it, it becomes beautiful. Yeah, I um yeah, I like that. I did a podcast with a officer in the in the army who was talking I... about mentors and saying how he felt like he lacked them growing up and that he actively went out to seek them and he, th he found that extremely important and a really useful, right. I like that. useful thing. And I, I think mentors are both online and offline. And I think in some, in some cases, like you say, it, the, the thing with motivation and, and that stuff is when you first Google it, it's very hard hitting and it, it takes a while for that algorithm to find some, potentially some of that softer stuff. But if you yeah, probably does. Go, go out and into the world and you and you speak to more people and you um, potentially look at a coach or type in sort of softer words around that, you might find something that that entry level into into personal development, if you say. If, if yeah, you, I like that. I like that. Uh, that's that. That's true. You know, there's people like Mel Robbins and Tony Robbins who are a little bit a little bit less harsh, you know, not related, but both both in the personal development space. Um, Les Brown was one of the first people who, who I listened to who really um, was a big inspiration behind Dreams to Goals. One of the one of the things, um, one of his stories of imagine the ghosts of all the ideas and all the things standing around your bed, um, your deathbed, saying to you, "We came to you." That was a that was a big inspiration for Dreams to Goals. And as as I got more into personal development, it was it was more the harder stuff then that that I gravitated towards because I liked that sort of kick up the arse, get you know get up stuff, which I know doesn't doesn't resonate with anyone. You know, my, my partner, who's also big into her personal development, 
she doesn't listen to the same stuff I listen to, but you know, she's on, she's on her own journey. She, she listens to people that resonate with her. And um, I think that that's the beautiful thing. There's so many, there's so many people out there. Um, if you haven't got those people, if you have, you know, like you say, offline, if you've got those people in your space, physically, you can catch up with, then that is second to none. But a lot of people, early level, haven't, haven't got that. They, they haven't got those positive people around them. They've got people talking negativity into the dreams. You know, you, you start going to the gym and you, you, you lose a bit of weight and people go, oh, you know, you've, lo- you've lost loads of weight. Um, as if it's a bad thing, kind of talk, talk that sort of negativity into the things that you do. So if you haven't got those, per- those positive people around you, then look online. But if you have got them, then, you know, that, that is priceless. Yeah, definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head. It's your personal journey as well. I think my sort of foray into this space was absolutely nothing to do with personal development. It started a fair few years ago and I was listening to a podcast by his surname's Altman. I can't remember his first name, but he he's essentially a ex-businessman. Um, he um nothing nothing crazy and now he lives he lives a very minimalist lifestyle and that was the first time that i had experienced a voice outside of the norm of what i'd sort of grown up with or been exposed to at university so it was an older man from america that i've never met and he was just talking about his life and i was like well this is just an interesting new viewpoint of the world. Like, yeah. I don't, I don't like everything he's saying, but that's interesting. And then, like you say, you start to explore new things. And he actually did an interview with uh, Gary V, which was where I then found Gary V, and then I found Gary V on Joe Rogan. And then, like, if I look back at it now, you can see sort of it, just like, like you say, step on the path, and the path will. Uh, Great stuff will share itself so yeah it's uh it's interesting like just rethinking about it and saying it out loud because i think that's also useful to say like you uh my experience is this is what happened so just go and have a look and see what you can you can find it might just be someone talking about something that you're currently interested in you might be really into cars you might be really into uh fitness you might be into something else and that eventually unfolds into into more and, and like you say there's different pockets of personal development it's not all about yeah. just hard hitting like i'm just going to be not the best. at all and something you just said there i think is really really important as well i didn't like everything that he said and people you know have have kind of got gone down this route that because somebody said something that they don't agree with then the other things that they said aren't valuable i think we're seeing a lot of that now in society oh you know he said this or she said that and I haven't, I've never listened to one person on the internet. I've never met one person in person who I agree with everything that, that person says ever in my lifetime and I never will. Um, and, and I think that's important. You know, people can say things. One of the things that, that Zuby said, um, British rapper who's become quite big in personal development, is take the meat off the bones, take the stuff that, that resonates with you and leave the rest, leave the rest where it is. You haven't got to agree with everything that somebody says. Um, you know, if that person triggers you in some way, shape or form, then that person's probably not for you to follow or not for you to associate with. But you don't need to agree with everything that anyone says. Some people say say things to gather attention. Some people say, say things for attention. 
Uh, some people have got got views based on their own upbringing and their own experiences, and and that's okay in in my view. Yeah, no, I completely agree. I think that's the most important. I think that's the skill to the personal development is yeah. take the personal from the development is just pick definitely what you want to what you want, um, which not many people say. So it's good. I think we've yeah. uh, we've uncovered a gem here. Uh, yeah. So talking about that sort of in-person group and like that sort of thing that's obviously led you on to your next venture and the sort of group of men that isn't a charity how dare you um so tell tell me a little bit more about that because i've seen some posts on linkedin but yeah i've not got a full understanding so i suppose um the driving force behind that was um there's a lot of stuff going on in the world at the minute. There always has been, but there's a lot of stuff going on in the world. And I think you need um, a good group, a good band of brothers, you know, if you want, around you that are positive and helping you to move in a good direction. I think a lot of men, they've got guys that can go to the football with. They've got people who they could go to a concert with. Um, they've got guys that they're going to stag do with. But they haven't necessarily got guys who will encourage their dreams, who they can talk to about being a dad, who um, they can maybe sometimes easier to talk in front of that group of, of men who you, you don't, you know, you don't necessarily know as well. So I started off, Louis. Um, I put one event on at the U Tree Inn, which was um, a crazy little pub in in Calden. Got got a um, good group of people there. I actually invited those people. Sorry, so I invited that that first group of people. Then I put a second one on. That was invite as well. And then I put it out to, to more men. And I'll have a guy on a lot of the time speaking about something that resonates with them. See, the, the beauty of it is the um, that I know a lot of these men's stories. I know what a lot of these guys have been through. I know what a lot of these guys have overcome. But other people in the room don't. Um, so, yeah, I know that they've all been through something. But they don't know. And a lot of the time, you feel like you're alone on that. You feel like if you're going through something, that it, it's, it's just you. It isn't. It's everybody. Um, so some of those guys have shared their stories at some of these events. Uh, they've gone down phenomenally well. And it's growing. You know, the last one I did, we were sat around a campfire. We had a cigar. And everybody just talked. And it, it, it was amazing. And the thing is, people don't mind, or some people don't mind, men sitting around in a mental health group talking about the problems. Yet when when you can prevent that, in my opinion, when you can get a group of men together before it gets to crisis points, you're going to avoid needing those groups so much. Yeah. So it's taken some flack. You know, it took some real flack yesterday on LinkedIn. I don't know if you saw that. Uh, there was backwards and forwards going uh, for quite a while. But... You know, I'm I'm not bothered about that. I'm not bothered. I've got I've got my mission. I'm on my mission. I don't really, really wouldn't say I don't care what other people think. A lot we all care what people think, but nothing that anybody tells me that is in my circle is going to stop me from going on to do to do what I want to do. Um, if I feel that I'm doing something that's helping people, which I know full well it is, uh, I'm going I'm going to carry on doing it. Whether somebody doesn't agree with the the fact that it's a men's group, honestly, I don't really care. Um, because 
I did a, a recent event. Um, it wasn't the one around the fire. It's the one before at Feasted with Chris Cohen. I'm obviously not going to name the person. I got a message following day of one of the guy's partners who said, I just want to thank you. My partner came to your event last night. He returned home with an energy that I've not seen him have for years. I know this is the beginning of a journey for him, but I can see this going in a really good direction. You're really um, doing a service to humanity. So that just, you know, lights a fire up under me. I'm not, I'm not bothered about the naysayers. I'm not bothered about... I've had those people in the past who've taught me out my dreams with the book. So, you know, they're not, I'm not going to buy into that voice. Um, and, and sometimes that negative voice that people do just um, creates more interest, I think, as well, anyway. Yeah, I mean, they always say any press is good press, right? But it's it's interesting because I, when I first started my journey with this, it sort of started on this far side of I have a mental health problem and I'm depressed and I suffer from anxiety and this is where I'm at. And the more that I've read and the more that I've spoken to people and the more that I've understood what happened to me at that point, the less I see that as a mental health problem and more of like a, a build-up of other elements. And like you say, like, almost that grey area of like yeah. man, crisis. Well, you don't just go man to crisis. There's something in the middle that changes, right? Definitely. And I completely I completely agree with it. So for, for me, it's that's the space that I now live in and I and I I thrive in it and I enjoy it because it's I, I I understand the boundary and I understand the other side which is basically sheep follow move don't just think and just do what you do and that's really that's a, this is a really important space that I think over the next sort of five ten years to use the uh, the big goal is going to become clear and become very apparent that this is needed. But we're battling against if you have more than three men in a room, it's toxic. Uh, yeah. Unless a crisis. <laughs> crazy. And I uh, crazy. I just find I just find it I find it baffling if I'm if I'm totally honest, but. I I did a, I did an event and I I well I I named it redefining masculinity to almost give it uh, a pass in the eyes of everyone else and it was fourteen guys and it and it was great it felt a bit like man anonymous to start with um, so I would I, I can imagine once the, if 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 I'd have done more of those events with the same people I imagine it, it would have become a little bit more. Uh, what you're saying but yeah I think it's so important like we touched on it before if you haven't got those people around you and yeah. you can only get them on the internet you do eventually need someone that you can almost spur out at and say Definitely. I've been doing this look at this and they go amazing mate look this is this is really good have you done this have you tried this and actually moving forward together and I just for me Toxic masculinity and manosphere are two words that I want to expel from the the English without language. Without a doubt, With, uh, without a doubt. I just put a post up about that this morning, actually, off the back of yesterday's conversation. Yeah, and that, I, I think to, to me that's you know, sorry. To, no, no, please, you go. Um, 
I've worked with people in the criminal justice system and, and, and those traits that, that, that people are talking about when talking about toxic masculinity it, is the opposite. It's an, it's an absence of a lot of these men have not got um, either any role models, any masculine role model or a positive male role model. And these behaviours then, treatments towards women and things, they, they come out because they've not learned what a good man should be. They've not seen what a good, ma a good man should be. I also know guys that haven't had that, that have, that have sought that out, you know, as, um, as your guest did with, with mentors. They've sought out that, um, that masculine role model to look towards. And again, for some men, that could be somebody on the internet. Um, if they're not getting that that in everyday life, and, and that's essentially it. That's those two words to me. It's like putting toxic motherhood and excuse me, toxic fatherhood together. They're not in, in of itself. Motherhood, fatherhood, masculinity aren't toxic. The 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 behaviours are. Yeah, and I, it's you feel like you're tre treading on eggshells at a certain point because we look at things that are happening and you look at violence against women you look at suicide and you look at everything in between yet we still call it toxic these are the outcomes of yeah. no use of energy it's essentially you're just motioning through life and you get to a point and you get to a junction and you make a decision and that is that spectrum this weird like oh suicide isn't on the same spectrum as like violence is 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 wrong in my opinion from the stuff that i've been yeah, reading yeah, yeah. you as a if you get to a point in your life where it becomes breaking you make a decision and that might be violence it might be breakdown it might be yeah. anxiety or it might be yeah the worst case suicide that's what i feel that's something that i'm trying to get across now is that that's the spectrum is that that's the problem yeah. it's not the masculinity part because all of those yeah. are a decision based on where you've got to in life and if the, you've got the, the sad thing as well is a lot of the people shouting about um the things that men are going through uh, um are also the ones persecuting some of the things that are good for men it's it's sometimes the same people which is which is really sad it's you know you're wanting this on this end yet you don't realise that what you're doing at this end is making that end worse. Um, oh, you know, that you shouldn't have groups like that. But then, well, you should but then you should be able to have a mental health group. Well, how how does that make any sense at all? That you, you know, we don't want you to talk about these things that might stop you getting to that point, but we would definitely want you to have the help in a room when when you do get to that point. You know, it, it it's crazy. It is, yeah. And I guess as someone who's got a ten year goal what do you see changing or how do you see it changing or what do you think needs to happen to allow for more of these spaces to happen? Well, um, some of the things that I think need to change that I don't think will change, um, sadly, and you know, that's not been negative. I don't think um, the mainstream media portrayal of how putting things out there about men, I don't think that will change. Um, I'm not saying, oh, you know, poor us. Um, women have had that bad from the mainstream media for a long time. Now now men are getting it. Uh, you know, some women will say, well, you know, we had it for years. Now 
you deserve it kind of thing. But the bottom yeah. line is none of us, none of, none of us should be getting it. Um, the, the, the stuff that's put out there should be making us feel better about ourselves. I, I advocate for turn the news off completely. Um, uh, I know some people feel that they need to watch that. So I would say, I've said in my book, limit your time then that, that you're watching it. You, that you, it's not very often you come away from that. You sit down next to your missus or your friend and go, that was great. How, how great was that? You don't come away from watching that program feeling better about yourself. You come you come away feeling worse. Very rarely do you read the paper, um, e- even the local papers now, and there's a lot of great stuff in there. There's more bad stuff than great stuff. There's more, oh, monkey dust is happening in Stoke-on-Trent, blah, 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 all these bad things that are happening. And I know people that have contacted the Sentinel with amazing things that they're doing, and uh, they're not interested. Um, yet they're interested if somebody's just been stabbed or some. And, of course, Louis, both of these things are happening. Um, yeah. But it's not a true portrayal of what's going on in the world. It's one-sided, it's biased, it's politicised. Um, and some rights, sometimes it's downright lies. Um, so, yeah, you know, that's... You look at some of the things that were, you know, and I don't know about guilty or anything, but you look at what's happening with Russell Brand. Um, you look back on Noel Clark. Noel Clark lost his entire career. Um a podcast episode he did with James English. He he lost his business. He nearly took his own life, and there wasn't one criminal charge against him. There were allegations made to the to the mainstream media, which they happily jumped on, and and sometimes seek out. You know, with Russell Brand, they've gone paying paying ex partners to say things against him, which I don't know how reliable or credible you could you could call that. But um, that is giving this portrayal of men that, you know, these men are bad where, they, to me, they are courtroom criminal charges that need to de- be dealt with in a court, court of law. One of the things that Noel Clark did is he, he went to the police station. I think it's like a subject ac- access form to get all the information on him that the police had. And there wasn't one ounce of information. The police did not have any complaints so much as a, him throwing stones at windows as a kid. There was nothing on his record whatsoever, it was a completely clear record, yet the guy lost everything. So until institutions like that, are, you know, I, I would, I'll backtrack on that a little bit. I won't say that that's not changing because um, platforms like this, I think, will, over probably the next five years, take over mainstream media, I think, will become virtually obsolete and people will follow and listen to subjects and people that they find more interesting. So there probably is light at the end of the tunnel on that one. Um, as far as though them giving this portrayal uh, of men, I think they'll, they'll carry that on for a long time. I think if you've got weak men, um, they're easier to get those men in line, um, which is sad. But I think, but you know, I think a lot of people are aware of that. I think a lot of people are aware of their narrative now um whereas they were they weren't before you you know luke fulbrook who was strongest man he spoke at an event i spoke at a couple of weeks ago and as far as the food um aspect they're telling you that meat's bad and all this stuff that we've eaten for hundreds of years is bad and um luke fulbrook said if you listened to all the mainstream advice on food you would be left with an ice cube. That was that is all that would be left, and that's true. Um, so you've got to follow people who are walking the walk as well as talking the talk. That are, are eating a diet that maybe you feel good, 
and um, this 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 sort of you know men's space will grow i think as people start following and listening to more of those people really bit of a round the way answer to that question i went off on a bit of a tangent there sorry but no no that's fine i uh i like it there was a years ago now maybe even 10 years ago there was a article published and it was like According to the Daily Mail, what will give you cancer? And it was like 3,000 things that they published over like a 10-year period. Um, Yeah, which I mean, if you consume anything in enough quantity, it'll probably kill you. Um, So yeah, it was uh, quite an amusing uh, thing. It just reminded me of that. But yeah, it's... um, for me, I think it's just a case of just of just more and just keep popping up and just keep trying to to grow. And I think you said yeah. you talked really nicely that this is a big problem, and I have no ego, and it's not going to be me that solves it. It's going to yeah. be many of us creating different things that attract different men in different ways, and Definitely. push and push them forward in in and not necessarily forward, maybe just sideways and out of what is already sort of happening to them and, and give them a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel uh, yeah. for most for most men. So, yeah, I think just more more of us would be great. Um, it's, a, it's a tough... Definitely. It's- you know, one of, the, one of the biggest misconceptions for me is that men men don't talk. Um, that is... A, and we spoke about that when we, we first met, didn't we? Yeah. It, it's a real big misconception because I think... Um, you know, one, we're not all the same. It's not that all all men need to talk. There's different ways of of looking after your your, your well being, your personal development. That we're, we're all different. That's that's one thing. But this, um, you know, men need to talk more. Men, um, if you create an environment, men men will talk. And I, I know that. I've seen that. I've experienced that. I've done that. That uh, if if the right environment is created, men men will talk. And dressing up these issues of suicide and everything, hiding behind the fact that this is because men men don't talk. It's nothing but a load of nonsense. Um, a man could talk after three months of not having access to his child and be a £1,000 in. He could talk after six months, be £4,000 in. He could talk after 12 months and be... £6,000 in, yet if there's no solution to that man seeing his child without going bankrupt, then what is the point in talking about it? There's so many more issues going on for men that are completely unrelated to men not being able to talk. I would arguably say that there's more avenues and alleyways for men to talk down than there ever has been. My granddad was a, a prisoner of war in World War II and he never, ever spoke about that, um, those experiences. And I didn't find this out from my granddad. I found this out actually a couple of months ago from my partner who met a guy who his dad was also a prisoner of war in, um, in World War II. And when he came home, he was told outright straight, you do not go home and talk about this. Um, and his partner was also told, you don't ask him about this. You don't talk about this. You don't ask him about this. And the suicide rate since those times has dramatically increased, not decreased. So you've got a group of men at that time who can't talk, yet they had stable family structure. 
They had a lot more purpose. They had jobs. Um, the family court system wasn't even introduced then. And relationships stayed together longer. So, so many elements of going on that were going on then that weren't, aren't going on now that to say that the suicide rate is high because men don't talk is very naive and quite ignorant, I think. Yeah, I think there was a study quite recently that uh, I'm probably butchering the numbers a little bit, but out of 100 men that had killed themselves, 90% of them had seeked frontline services, so either through uh, charity or uh, a GP directly. And out wow. of those, another 80% or so uh, were deemed no risk or low risk of suicide. So I, like out of 100, it was 72 of them were deemed low risk or no risk. Uh, wow. Help, which is just, yeah, there you go. So they spoke and no one listened anyway. So that was, uh, yeah, that was useful. You know, you, you've, I've, from, from the O'Connor Centre, from, uh, that was an 18-week program, Lewis, and, and people opened up about everything and, and anything. You know, they, they, they were mixed groups. Um, the criminal justice system, people have seen open up there from, from doing seats at the table, from running single dads groups. You get um, you get talking about anything and anything. It could start off about football. It could start off about music. Conversations will, will go in all sorts of directions and all sorts of stuff will come out. And before anybody even knows it, they've told somebody something that they've never said before. And it's just come out. You know, they didn't intend to say, they didn't uh, feel forced into saying it. It just, it just flowed. And um, you create the right environment and um, men, men will talk. Yes, that might not be the locker room. That might not be the building site, granted. Um, but it, that, can, that can happen if you're in the right, right environment and you've got the right people around you. And that is also not to say that some men don't talk and won't talk because, of course, that's true. We're not, we're not all the same. No, but that's, no, that's a staggering statistic. Um, yeah, I'll send, you the, I'll, send you the, I'll send you the article. It's, um, yeah, brilliant. Pretty, it's pretty mad, really. Um, yeah, I, I just, yeah, I just want, I just want more of this, and I just want more, more men to understand that purpose doesn't have to be defined by the world itself. You can self-define your purpose as well, right? I think yes. that we live in a world now where purpose has moved well past um, just being that traditional. Like you said, your your grandfather, it was very, very traditional, father, uh, husband. Uh, worker we've uh, moved sort of past that as a society and I, I think men can find purpose in in anything these days and I think yeah. that's actually quite exciting because we have your traditional toxic masculinity yet I personally believe that if you if you truly want to find purpose in something else then you can find it it doesn't have to be what we what we might deem as masculine behaviors but no one no one wants to talk about that either which is which is yeah. interesting but yeah that's uh that's my view on it from no from well, no one wants to talk about a lot of things either do they? that's that's a i think that is a lot of the problems like you know break breakdown of communication um yeah. i saw a, a, an amazing joe rogan episode where he had matt walsh on and um you know matt walsh very outspoken some of the stuff he said 
didn't agree in gay marriage. Joe Rogan completely does. And, and, and these guys sat down and they had such a such an enlightening conversation on complete, completely different ends of the spectrum. And the reason I mentioned them too is because they, they both commented on it at the, at the end, Lewis, and said, you know, how was that? We agreed on some things, some things we really did not agree on. Um, but we spoke about it. We talked about it. We, we, we got it out in the open. And we, we found out why you think this and why I think this. And that, that's essential. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think you touched on it a little bit where we're moving to a world of where you can almost tune into what you want to tune into, which can be also quite dangerous as well. So it, like having that mindset of taking an, self-thinking, right? I think this is something else I've found is a lot of people have the same goals which makes no sense to me. How can you have the same goals as someone else? Um, but that's all stemmed from just listening directly to someone and going, that's what I want, that's what I want, that's what I want. So that's probably the biggest takeaway from me from this is a, re a reminder of don't listen to someone solely, listen to parts and digest and have your own thoughts on them. I think that's so much more important. And I hope that there are more things like Rogan where he, because he always wants to be challenged, right? And he's interested. Yeah. He's, he's a very smart yeah. guy. And thankfully he's got a huge platform, but this cross pollination of, of ideas is, is still important. And I think it can be lost in algorithms. So yeah, I think it's, yeah, it's right. something to consider when you're going on that journey as well. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So Darren, I always like to end the, uh, podcast with the question that I started and I, I imagine it's not changed for yourself but uh, in your words Darren what makes you a man I'd say I'd say all the same things um, you know it's that purpose it's that being a great dad one thing I think I missed off the beginning is um, being being a brother to the men around you I think I missed missed that one out you know I've got brothers I've got brothers that that aren't blood and and being being there for those guys, I think that's that's really important. And you you know you gravitate towards those those people that um, make your life better, invigorate you, and give you more energy. Then you know you, you, I think you're going to lead a good life. Um, yeah, being a man's exciting, it's challenging, um, and it's rewarding. Amazing. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Luis.